This is a special episode of our Men at the Top discussion, featuring board member and chair of the Evening in Central Park event, Paul Deutsch. Now remember, Men at the Top is the name of the book from our founder, Oz Elliott. It was released back in 1959, and the way of thinking has changed since then. Fast forward to today. We're excited about All In for NYC Week that begins October 17th with the Tavern on the Green Evening in Central Park. Hear more about it in this episode with our special guest, Paul Deutsch. Our Citizens NYC CEO, Rasan Harris, is here to kick things off. Thank you for joining us. This is Rasan Harris, CEO of Citizens NYC, knownly, um, lovingly known also as Citizens Committee for New York City. You're joining the Citizens NYC live podcast. I am so excited to be able to talk to one of our board members, a longtime supporter, Mr. Paul Deutsch. Can you say hello to us, Paul? Hello, everybody. How are you? I, they can't see the wave, but I do love that. I can see you on the video and I'm feeling that energy. That is, that's fantastic. So today's episode, we're going to turn this into a men at the top uh, episode where you're going to get the quick hits and know about Paul. But before we go into the men at the top question mark uh, portion of this, I'd love for you to get to know Paul in general. So Paul, if you had to introduce yourself professionally, how would you describe yourself? Who are you? Uh, I am the executive vice president of a company called Omni Agent Solutions. Now, most of you probably have no idea what Omni Agent Solutions is. Um, we work in the world of corporate restructuring. We provide large-scale administrative services, generally in large bankruptcy cases, which you may have read about. Bankruptcy. What is bankruptcy? <laughs> well, let's explain that to the people. We, we, we could spend days and days talking about that. Um, you've all heard about large companies. Uh, let's say Brookstone, the Boy Scouts are in bankruptcy right now. Purdue, all of these companies file Chapter 11 and they get the opportunity to reorganize, settle their debts with creditors. I was a bankruptcy attorney. I don't practice anymore. Instead, now we're on the administrative side of these large cases. We do all of the noticing. We do all of the claims management. Um, anything that you don't want the other professionals in the case to do because their rates are a lot higher than ours, to be honest. We are a, a, a real necessary function in the case because we do save the bankruptcy states a lot of money. That's amazing. It takes it takes a village to raise a bankruptcy. So I'm glad that you're part of that ecosystem that makes it all work. And what it is, it's shocking just how much it costs for a company to file in bankruptcy. It, Absolutely. It, it's, it's, it could be hundreds of millions or more. And when I think of bankruptcy, I also think of uh, the ending of something, but the rebirth of something. And I think it's really important for... Um, you know, we fall down and we get back up again. Um, that the, the getting back up uh, process uh, for folks to thrive and to fail and hopefully to reinvent themselves so that they can be available for folks that need them. Um, is that how you see your field? Well, you know, it, it's very interesting, you know, because it's, it's really split between individual and corporate. And, and when I clerked for a judge a long time ago, I, that's where I was dealing with more of the individuals. And it is amazing. You, you know, the, the term that you hear very often is fresh start. And, and an individual or a couple, family, if they file, this gives them the opportunity to stop everything. People, you know, there's an automatic stay, which means people have to stop 
trying to collect their debts against them. And it gives them the chance to start over. They will have a, you know, either their debts will be discharged or they'll pay them out over time, depending on how they file. But they really do get a fresh start. It's different with the comp with, with a corporation, but um, the end result is somewhat the same. They do get to stop here, deal with everything that's come from, you know, in the past and then move forward with their operations. You know, it, sometimes it's absolutely a necessary thing, a good business strategy for companies. Excellent. Well, I also think of New York City getting a fresh start after the pandemic. And I say after the pandemic, I think we're into a new normal, but, uh, you know, getting fresh starts after adversity and being able to be resilient. You know, I also think about restructuring in that way. Yeah, Romanticizing it. <laughs> I, I, I get it. And, and you know, I, I don't live in, in the city anymore, but I'm down there often enough. And, and I watched what happened over the last couple of years. Um, I, I, one of my roles of my job is that I get to wine and dine a lot. And, um, the restaurants were just so dead. The service was poor, uh, because they were having trouble getting people. And it's definitely turning around. Uh, there's a lot more people in the city than there, there, there have been. Things are never going to go quite back to normal. Um, businesses, law firms, they're not going to do five days a week anymore. They're going to have a lot less, uh, footprint in, you know, in, in their buildings. They're going to, they're going to consolidate. Uh, but the city is definitely getting much closer to where it was now than it was a couple, you know, last year. No, thank goodness for that. So talk to me about the second P, which is you personally, who are you uh, besides who you are as a professional? Well, uh, New Yorker born and raised till I was about 30. I, I grew up in Hollis Hills, Queens, uh, public schools, um, went to school upstate in Syracuse and lived in Queens until I was about 30 and moved up to Connecticut where we still are. Um, commuted for many years down to Manhattan. I've always worked in New York. I'm not sure I've ever had a job outside of Manhattan. Um, and my one regret uh, until now, I've never lived in Manhattan. Um, I'm sorry I didn't do it when I was younger. Uh, the opportunity was there and I, and I let it slide. Um, but, you know, if I'll meet anybody, like I've had three kids in college and I'll meet parents from across the country and people will ask me where I'm from. And the first words out of my mouth are always New York. You know, and then I, I have to qualify or clarify, excuse me, and say, well, we live in Connecticut, but I'm a New Yorker. Uh, you know, they, I, I'm not sure I've ever read a Connecticut newspaper. OK, <laughs> you know, uh, it's hard enough to watch the local news. Uh, I'm a New Yorker. You know, my, I'm a Met fan, biggest Met fan. Um, uh, unfortunately, Jets and Knicks also. Um, but yeah, I, I, as I don't know how that came together that way. But uh, well, no, you know, it's, it's funny because I've talked to a lot of people about this. And in Queens, it was. You know, definitely mostly Mets. Okay? Absolutely. And, and Jets and Knicks and, and Rangers, you know, when I, although Islanders when they had a really good run when I was younger. Um, but, you know, if you were in Manhattan, it was more Yankees. Bronx, more Yankees. Brooklyn could have gone either way. Uh, and I've met people like it's funny in Connecticut now. Um, if you go from, let's say, Greenwich all the way up to New Haven, you know, you probably have Yankee fans. You probably have um, – uh, Jet or Giant fans, and then you get past New Haven, you know, between New Haven and Hartford, and then suddenly it's all changing to Boston. You know, Absolutely. You know, you'll find a couple. But uh, uh, one thing I've got to do personally and professionally, you know, because I, I'm, I do business development, um, because I'm a big Met fan, I created a group within um, my world, my business world, called the LSRMF, 
long-suffering restructuring MedFans. And it's actually, it, it's been great. I've got now about 45 people in this group and it's always growing. Some people are sort of coming out of the closet as the Mets have done better this year. And, and I've got like 45 or so of the most senior people in my industry. We've actually all, you know, most of us have bonded over this. We've, you know, some of us have gone to games together. I try to do a suite or two every year, you know, for the company and have these people come. It's not, it, it, it's, there's a couple of women in there too. It's not just men. And, and it's been wonderful. It's just a great way to, to build relationships. Um, you know, it, this is all business, but you know, it's become personal now. And, 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 uh, I, I'll give you one great story about this. Um, one of our past honorees at the event we'll be talking about the evening in, in the park, this guy named Tom Califano. Tom looks like he's a bouncer at a biker bar. Okay. You look at, you wouldn't necessarily think he's one of the country's best bankruptcy attorneys. When I was just getting started to meet him, it was 2015. The Mets were in the playoffs and he and I, with a couple other people went to a game. And I really don't know him that well, but this is a physically imposing guy. He looks at me, he goes, don't make fun of me if I cry. I'm like, what? He goes, I get very emotional. I was like, who are you? I think mean, like, I never said, but it, this is the kind of thing I never would have learned had I not, had we not been bonding over baseball. Okay. You know, he's this, he's this big pussycat when it comes right down to it. And he loves the Mets. He just texted me because we were both at the game last night, not together. And they had mm. a terrible loss. And he's like, uh, they're not looking very good with seven games left. You know, they're in a, he thinks, he said they're in a precarious position, you know? Yeah. But it's fun to be able to uh, mix both together. Absolutely. And, and just, you know, a little bit for me, uh, 1986, when I was going from being 12 to 13 years old, and that's where my Mets um, fandom was really cemented in. So 86 was a great year for me for the giants and the Mets. And so that was cemented in my, my fandom in that direction. And then um, I was growing up in New Jersey, so I was a Nets fan. So there you go. So, I got to see Dr. J play on Long Island when he was a Net. Um, but I was a senior in college in 86, and that was, a, that was a great year. I was actually living with somebody from Philly, somebody from Chicago, somebody from Boston. So, yeah, I was on top of the world there for a little while. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. So we talked about the personal and the professional and actually how they intermingle. So talk to me about you philanthropically. And I kind of feel there's going to be a lot of crossover here. Well, you know, it's interesting. I had practiced bankruptcy law for 14 years and then got in this role, which was um, a much more business development role, marketing role. Uh, An attorney who was at Wild Gotchel and um, another gentleman who was at FTI Consulting. And these are two big institutions in my industry. And uh, they were on the host committee for this event in Central Park. Citizen. And what year, what this year was, was this again? I think this is, this is eight or nine years ago. Um, and I asked them if they get me on the committee and they did. And I think I served either one or two years on the committee. And then Peter Kosmeyer, who had your role for many years, um, he and Scott Young, who was working with him, they approached me, I think it was after the second year. And they said, we would like you to chair the event. We raised under $100,000. I'm very happy to say, and I was going to discuss it later, but let's do it now. Last year was our highest. We raised about $325,000. We have Tavern on the Green on October 17th. We can't forget that. So last year was three twenty five. We are now at three eighteen with 18 so days. It's fantastic. And and I did set a goal this year of $400,000. Um, you can... Definitely call me guilty of overreaching, but, you know, I, I do have every intent of, of hitting that goal. I mean, we've never come close, but I think we can do it this year. Uh, I, I, be- I believe in it. And I think your philanthropy and you stepping up um, to the challenge that was given to you by 
some other folks that love New York and said, hey, Paul, can you help us do what we can, raise money so that we can give out grants to help community leaders that are really trying to improve the quality of life in their neighborhoods. You answering that bell and um, not necessarily thinking of yourself as always being Mr. Philanthropy, but taking this on, I think is a great lesson to others that we all can make a difference if we're just willing to use our talents for, for good. Right. I don't necessarily know that the restructuring community recognized their importance to New York City in this kind of way, but I think the rebuilding of the city as it you know stumbles and goes through difficulties, I think is really symbolic and is really needed. And I just would love for a much broader audience to, to see what you and your colleagues are doing and understanding that, you know, it takes all of us to make sure that New York city is the best that she can be. Right. It, it, it's, it, it's certainly easier to demonstrate the need now. Okay. Based on what's happened over the last couple of years, there's just that many more examples, you know? So it, it, it's, it's, it's not easy every year. Yeah. And I think citizens committee and its mission, I think, resonates even more in this moment because folks I think have taken for granted the city's ability to be as great as it can be or taken for granted a lot of the the culture and the the vibrancy and the and the luxuries that the city has provided for for many but now with the pandemic having revealed that there is fragility in the city and that it takes a lot of work to make sure that everyone has opportunity. And I, and I also think that more folks are being exposed to just how tough life can be. Um, because sometimes I think we forget um, because we've been so privileged, some of us, um, that it's not always easy for everyone. And, I, and us all being in the same boat hopefully makes us better at each other. Yeah. Hey, you know, I sort of wondered too, there's been such a mass exodus from the city. I wonder if, I mean, I just noticed in my neighborhood alone, and I'm 60 miles outside of New York, um, I do wonder if everybody is fully aware of just how great, greater the need has gotten too. You know, I mean, the, yeah. people are not, a lot of people moved out, they're not living, they may come down to work a couple of days a week, but I don't know if they see necessarily what they may have seen before. Yeah, and I, I also think that, you know, Citizens Committee provides opportunities that are part of this all in for NYC week you know, with our day of action that's taking place on October 21st for folks to go in the community and see what's happening, to be able to roll up their sleeves and, and to, to do something nice to contribute to what's positive, but also see the realities that, that folks are facing. And I think when we're side by side, that's when we're at our best. I think, um, I think, I think it's a great lesson. I mean, I think, I, I think until they're faced with it, they may not have a clue as to what is actually going on. I, I certainly, I, I don't profess to, to be fully aware of, of the, of the need. I know it's there, but I, you know, until you're in front of it, I don't think you fully get it. Gotcha. So as we move, uh, this part of the series is really about a book that Oz Elliott wrote, Men at Top, no, Men at the Top. I'm asking that kind of as a question because right now leaders aren't just men. They're, they're, they're everyone. But, but I think the questions that he got to and his intention is spot on, even though his framing in the 1950s probably doesn't play as well as it does right now in 2022. Um, so my first question that's inspired by Osborne Elliott is the change. 
you know, chess versus checkers. When did you feel that you upped your level of your game and you're playing chess instead of the basic checkers? Right. But, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about this. My, my, my route, my route to get there was a, a little bit different uh, and more physical than anything else, sort of. Um, I was undiagnosed ADHD till I was in my 40s. Um, and if I tell you the difference it made, uh, having, having discovered that and, and, and now being able to be medicated after all these years, not that I was not able, obviously I practiced for 14 years as a bankruptcy attorney. I, you know, worked, uh, for, I don't know how many years, five years before that. Um, but it did just make a difference and, and, and focus changed. Um, organization changed, if nothing else. That, that's probably the, 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 the biggest positive. And it allowed me to approach things differently, you know, just see things differently and, and, and being able to handle a lot more than I was able to do. And, and, and whatever, you know, I think for, for the first 40 something years of my life, it was more just trying to, you know, keep the head above water, you know, and, and, and certainly I, I, I feel that I was able to, you know, I was, that was not the issue anymore. Uh, after that, after making that discovery. Um, and I was able to, I don't think I would have been able to accomplish this and everything else I've done, you know, in the last couple of years. Uh, but for that fact, that I give you an idea. I was just talking to my son last night about this. You know, I, I mentioned overreaching before, but I, I wonder sometimes, you know, uh, if I've done that just, you know, in the last year alone or in the last 10 years, I'm on the, aside from my regular job, which is by no means a nine to five job, uh, involves a lot of travel, among other things. It's very social as well. But I'm on the board of directors of two of the biggest trade associations, used to be three. I am running um, the ABI's 40 Under 40 program this year. I am doing this this year. Um, I am the pro bono chair of the TMA New York. I mean, it, I, I, I think I enjoy um, extracurriculars a little too much. Um, but it, it, I, I, again, I don't know if you asked me 10 years ago, maybe 15 years ago, if I would have been able to accomplish everything, all of these things, I think the answer would have been no. Um, my game definitely, um, stepped up in my mid forties. That is amazing. And I just want to thank you for, for sharing your ADHD, uh, journey. I know I have a daughter right now that's been diagnosed with a certain, uh, you know, I guess called processing challenges or just the way she learns is different. And just being exposed to folks that are just talking about how they are finding solutions and what it means when they find the solutions has been really helpful for me. So yeah, yeah. thank you for that. My, my, I'm, I'm, if it helps somebody, that'd be wonderful. And I'll tell you, so my, my youngest, who's now 21, when she was in elementary school, she was also diagnosed with ADHD. And I can't tell you how jealous I am of her sometimes because mm. she w was able to get that help very early on. Not as early as it should have been, by the way, because the school, the schools are not necessarily um, driven towards the help that they should give always. I don't want to take anything away from that. The teachers are wonderful. I'm married to a teacher and I'll explain why she was so beneficial uh, in this whole journey with my daughter. Um, but, you know, I'm jealous sometimes because she got that correction, you know, very early on. And, I, and I've watched, I've seen the difference before and after with her. And it was amazing. 
um, for anybody who, who's going through that with a child. So my wife, um, she was a teacher in New York. She's not a teacher up here, but she deals with autistic and Downs kids every day, different age levels. And when we had to go to my daughter's IEP, okay, the school said, uh, you know, they had all these people, somebody from the school boards, the, the, the therapists, all this, okay, we're going to give your daughter this, 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 and this. And my wife said, no, you're going to give her this, 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 because that's what she was entitled to. They don't necessarily want to give you all that. Yeah. And I feel bad for anybody who has to go into that meeting and doesn't have someone with them who has that background. It, I, I was amazed. I, I was absolutely blown away by, by what my wife accomplished that day. Because I, I had no idea if, if, if it was just me, I would have said, OK, and that would have been the end of it. I wouldn't no, have shout known, out. Yeah, I wouldn't shout have to ask the next question, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, I think advocacy matters so much. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and knowing how to advocate for yourself and, and for your people. Um, wow. Talking about advocacy and, and folks that are our foundation um, up from something. If you think about where you came from, like, what are you up from? Well, you know. Born and raised, uh, middle income household, middle upper middle income household in Queens. Um, uh, got to do certain things that, you know, friends of mine growing up the same way didn't just because of, of relationships and, and what my, my parents were able to do. Um, I, I do look at what my kids have now compared to what we had then. And I always thought I was, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't really complain. I usually got most things that, that I wanted when I was a kid. It is amazing what the kids have now, okay, what they take for granted now. Um, um, I like to believe uh, I, that, you know, that, that I do know where I came from and I appreciate that. Um, I have never, you know, I, I've become pretty successful, you know, the last 10, 20 years, but I still remember, you know, what my roots were. I, I, yeah, I'm not the kind of person who's gonna have an attitude with somebody, present company excluded. <laughs> um, uh, but, but you know, it's, it, it's, uh, you know, you got to treat everybody like you want to be treated. The golden rule is the golden rule for a reason, you know, and, and, and no matter, you know, who you are, how successful you are, it's very interesting. I was very intimidated when I started this job because now I'm again, pardon the expression, kissing the ass of, of these people trying to get work from them. And, you know, to not, to send somebody an email, a call and not get anything back after trying, that drives me crazy. Okay. And, and what was really interesting was that some of the old school guys, okay, there were two guys in particular, two of the most senior restructuring professionals in the country. These guys wrote the book. Okay. I would send them an invitation or something and I would get a personal response back from them. Okay. One of them, a handwritten response. Okay. But the guys below them, the younger guys below them couldn't be bothered. And that's such a good lesson. Okay. It, you know, I don't care who, if somebody's inviting you to something, if you can't go, that's fine. You owe them the courtesy of a response. I mean, it's just one small example, but it would, it would drive me nuts. And then I finally realized, okay, these guys are no different than you. Okay. Yeah. You know, you're, 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 you want business with them. And obviously, you, you know, you're not going to be rude, but they should be treating you just like you're treating them. And, and once you learn that it, it, it changed the, it changed my mindset. And, and, uh, I think it definitely for the better. That's such a great lesson uh, for folks uh, to learn. When you think of pride of the pro, what makes you proud of what you've accomplished professionally and where you are? Well, um, I'm going to 
including professionally, you know, in professional the, 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 the charity aspect as well. But from a professional perspective, as I was talking about before, you know, no one knew who this company was when I took the job 13 years ago. Okay. They were a small California based company. They had a, done some work in, in national cases, but you know, I asked people, nobody knew who they were. I, I was practicing 14 years at the time. I had no idea who they were. That's why I had to ask my friend. So trust me when I tell you, everyone knows who we are now. Okay. I mean, we are a, a major player in the game. Everybody knows who we are. And I feel that I had a lot to do with that. So I'm always proud of that fact. Um, and, and I believe we have a very good reputation too, which is, it's not just a name, you know, um, it, it, it only serves us when, you know, people know us, but they also look at us in that positive light and we do great work. Um, we are cost effective and, and that works so well. But the other side of the professional thing is, is what I've done with citizens committee. I mean, um, I'm blown away sometimes. I never thought I've, I, I, I didn't think I was doing enough, you know, and, and, and I wasn't raising enough. I thought we could do more. Um, I, I never thought I would be able to do anything like this. And, and I'm very proud of what we've accomplished. Um, you know, it, it took a couple of years, but I know the firm started budgeting for us. Okay. And that was a huge step because that means they're planning on giving us again next year. Or the, the likelihood certainly is there. Um, you know, it became the boathouse event and people will refer to me that way. And that's good because it was, it was, it was in the zeitgeist now, you know, people, oh yeah, yeah. You're talking about the one, the yeah, all right, we'll be there. Um, and you know, just because we were so associated with that, I don't care because Tavern on the Green is better and it's easier to get to. And it's going to be a great event this year. We can hold more people. Um, but people know about it and, and they, they're actively, um, you know, donating money. But what I think is even more important. Okay. And this, this, I got to tell you, I, I got a smile this year. And I, I'll take credit for this one. So there's a guy who is uh, a partner at one of the biggest firms in the country. He's probably one of the top three bankruptcy attorneys in the country. And I had put him on the event, the host committee a couple of years ago. He was like the first one for this year. They donated $15,000. And I found out like he emailed it, the invitation to everybody in his firm, you know, to, to come. You have no idea how big a step that is, the fact that, that he did that. Because in a million years, I never thought he would have done it. And he did it on his own. I didn't even have to say anything. Okay. I, it means that that I've, I've gotten through to some people. And he's, I will tell you, a, a tough nut to crack. So I, I'm very proud of that fact. Yeah, that's absolutely amazing. And it's something to really be proud of. Um, home was never like this. You think about today's personal lives and the way folks are versus the way they might've been in the past. Like what are some of the things that strike you or you think folks would be surprised of as, as you think of like your personal life and home? Well, I'll tell you, start is this is the greatest thing in the world and the worst thing in the world. Okay. That telephone is the worst thing in the world, huh? And the greatest thing too. I mean, I absolutely love it. I, I get too many complaints and I'm always on it, but hey, as I said, I don't have a nine to five job. And if somebody wants to, give me work. I want to make sure that I can accept it or, or do it right away. I'm not going to let any time lapse. So yeah, I, am I married to the phone? Absolutely. Is it a, a curse? Yeah. Um, it amazes me and, and, and going back to the kids, you know, what they have, what we didn't have, um, you know, the, just the technology in general uh, is, is so much different now than it was then. Uh, again, a blessing and a curse. Um, but it, it's amazing how uh, the world has changed in, in, in the last let's say 40 years. Actually, I had this conversation with somebody uh, on Sunday. Um, I'm a big fan. I don't know if you've ever used it, the Oculus Quest, the virtual reality. 
game. I haven't used it. I've seen okay. it though, for sure. I've had it for about a year and a half now, and it is the greatest thing in the world. And as someone who grew up in the generation of playing the classic arcade games, I remember playing, you know, um, uh, Space Invaders and everything that came after that. You use this thing now, and you are now the joystick. You are in the game. It is mind blowing um, how good this is, and it's still in its infancy. Okay, it, it, it's Ready Player One. You know, at the very beginning, and and and, it, and it's amazing. Um, I I love to uh, you know uh, see what they've done and and where they're going. Um, the other things, though, you know, a lot of other things have changed in the last you know forty years. Uh, without getting into politics, but the the political spectrum is is just it's a scary thing right now. Um, I'm a big advocate of the rule of law, and and the biggest fear I have is is that it doesn't exist anymore. And I hope I'm, you know, exaggerating that. Actually, your last comment goes into one of my last questions. The second to last question is politics together. We stand and almost with a question mark politics together. We stand. Yeah. <laughs> so what would you say could potentially bring folks together um, in a way that is really needed in this moment. And I appreciate your comments of saying, you know, sometimes folks can't talk about politics, but I think it's really important to talk about the way we treat each other versus like what political party we're in, because we can have different political beliefs, but we also need to live together. Yeah. We, we, are, we are living in, in strange and uncertain times. There, there is no doubt about that. And, you know, there is absolutely nothing wrong with a political discussion when you're discussing policy, right? Okay. Nobody's right. Nobody is wrong. You know, you have your opinion on this, opinion on that. The problem is we're not discussing policy anymore. That That's not the issue. It, when facts come into play, uh, when, when the truth it comes, you know, is not absolute, um, when, when, when logic is thrown out the window, okay, this is a really scary problem. And, and, you know, I don't want to tell you how many, how many arguments I've got into, but I finally, you know, it's very easy now when you're talking to somebody and you're not sure, you know, which way, uh, their political wind blows, um, you know, usually an answer or two will tell you that they're one of those. And it's a hopeless discussion from my perspective, you know, absolutely hopeless. Congress is supposed to work a certain way. Uh, one word that describes it is incrementals. OK, everything is supposed to happen incrementally. Nobody is supposed to get they want. Change is supposed to happen incrementally. Um, but when one party or either party it, it just wants power and doesn't care about actually doing something. But yeah, I will tell you for the record, I, I am I am a centrist. Okay, I believe that you know politically there are or uh, policy wise there are, are you know good things on both sides. I have no doubt about that. But if 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 someone in power doesn't care, the people in Congress don't care about the end result. They just want the power. I mean, the, 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 that hope goes out the window. Um, we really do need to get back, and and it's so great when you see somebody stand up um, to, to the majority sometimes and say, you know, you guys are wrong. This has to be done or, or, or you know, he was wrong. Um, uh, and unfortunately, that's not happening as often as it should. And, 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 and uh, I, you know, I, I just hope it, it does work out and, and changes. Um, let's see what the next year or two brings. Uh, I I'm, I'm, can't say I'm, I'm fully hopeful. 
Well, hopefully, I, I love what you said that um, we can have different approaches to policy. Um, but if everyone is really trying to improve the country, improve their neighborhood, improve the conditions of life for, for all folks, then hopefully we can um, agree to disagree, but agree on, you know, that everyone should have an opportunity for education to, to live a healthy life, to, to be able to provide for themselves and their family. Um, the last question, what are your hopes for New York City. What do you hope that New York City will have in its future? And are there any kind of like pieces of advice or 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 things that you want folks to sit with as they're thinking about the future of New York City? You know, I I, I love New York. I am a New Yorker through and through. Um, it is the greatest city in the world, and I will battle my friends from Philadelphia and Chicago all day long about this. They, 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 they put up their fights, but they're, they're never going to win. Okay. Cause they're, they're, look, Chicago is the second city for a reason. Okay. You know, and, and Philly's great, but it's a small New York. Um, you know, it's New York light. Uh, you know, New York will always come back. Okay. It, it, we came back after nine 11. Okay. Came back stronger. Um, we are going to come back from this, um, you know, maybe you'll see less office buildings. I think you'll see more residential space. I think a lot of the office buildings are going to be converted. Um, I think New York will always be strong. People are always going to want to be there. You know, maybe it's it's it becomes less corporate. Who knows? Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, uh, you know, I think it's one place in the country where socially people do, you know, live together and, and, and have fun together. And you can't say that about every place in the country. It just doesn't work that way. And, you know, part of it is just because of the way the, 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 the country was formed, but, um, you know, you've got a little bit of everything. Okay. Best food. Well, I, I will tell you, I had to throw, give some props to Chicago because the best meal I ever had was at a restaurant in Chicago, but, uh, I, I wine and dine for a living, mostly in New York. And, and I've got my favorites and it's, it's just, there's always something to do. I, you know, I'll never forget my sister went to NYU and, and I was too young to appreciate at the time, but she told me that two 30 in the morning is like two 30 in the afternoon. And where else can you say that? Okay. Other than Vegas. Okay. And two very different things, but it, it, it's, there's no place like it. And people may, you know, crap on it, but that's just they're jealous. It is, it is the greatest city. And, and I just, um, I hope that people don't change. It's, it's a wonderful place to be. If you're all in for NYC, you can register to get involved in the week of events at citizensnyc.org.